Should I put on safety glasses? Yeah, you, do. You, you know what? You should. It's just <laughs> odd that I can't see. That is, that is perfect. Um, so. <laughs> oh, well. Like you could pull it, pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good look for you, Andy. It is. <laughs> I've got a couple uh, extra pairs that look I'm going to Oh, my God. <laughs> that's insane. We're like hyper kids. We all just leaving <laughs> to go get stuff. Let me show you this. <laughs> What's up, Yens, guys? Welcome back to Fishing PA with Ryan Reed. Guys, I've been super busy at work, and I have not been able to post any content in the last couple of weeks. You guys know that I was on this video cast track recently. I've been having tons of fun with that, talking to local fishermen, local guides, you know, local bait makers, all in the muskie community, and it's been an absolute blast. So in this particular episode, we're going to continue on with our video casting, and I've got three special guests for you in this particular video. Now, guys, we are going to talk to Fat AZ and Muddy Creek Fishing Guide. So tonight on this episode, we're going to have Todd Young, Vance Kalos, and Andy Zomchak. Now, if you guys fish for muskies, you know that Fat AZ has one of the best muskie podcasts out there. You guys also know the Fat Easy Muskie products, their bait line, the rod holders, all the stuff that they're doing is just very innovative and they just make killer products. You know, baits that catch fish, rod holders that just absolutely work when you're out there trolling. Now, you guys know that I have the utmost respect for Todd Young and Vance Kalos. I respect them as fishermen, I respect them as guides, and I really truly respect them as people. You guys are not going to find two better human beings that will take you out there on the water and teach you about muskies and muskie fishing. Bottom line, Todd Young, local legend. He's been doing this a very long time. Vance Kalos, he's one of the best fishermen that I've had the pleasure of fishing with. You know, he really is just aggressive on the water. And these guys just put tons of fish in the boat every single year. So from a guide perspective, I feel personally that Muddy Creek Fishing Guides is one of the best guide services in the country when it comes to muskie fishing. Now, Andy, to me, Andy is just straight up brilliant. You know, he is just an absolute magician when it comes to creating things. Um, you know, we talk about the bait lineup. We talk about these rod holders again. You know, Andy is just the type of person that comes up with a great idea and he can really transform that idea into reality. So again, guys, you know, I consider these three individuals just top-notch, they're just absolutely well-respected in the muskie community. And this is a huge honor for me to get them onto my measly YouTube channel and talk muskie fishing. So again, I can't overstate how excited I was to get this video up. It's been a few weeks since we sat down and actually did this one. But again, with work, I've just been so busy and it's just been gnawing at me that I haven't had time to actually sit down, film the intro, and really just look at the footage from that conversation. So guys, that's what we're going to do. We're going to hear a couple of stories from Todd and Vance. We're going to get into some of these products with Andy. We're going to talk baits. We're going to talk rod holders. 
and these guys are going to give you some general tips that will hopefully help you guys out there on the water. So again, before we jump into this, go out there, check out Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. If you guys need a guide service to get out there and catch your first muskie or just help to learn more about how you fish for these muskies, then definitely look them up. I'm sure they're limited on bookings, but they may have a day or two open. You can reach out to them and really get taught about these fish and how to fish for them. And again, guys, they just updated their website. So go out to Fat AZ Muskie Products. There's still some baits out on the site. Um, they've, they were painting some tough shads this year. Andy paint job, amazing on these tough shads. And again, there's some raptors and there's some swim baits out there on the site that are available if you guys need baits. So with that said, we're going to jump into this video cast and hopefully you guys like this conversation. What is up, Yens guys? Tonight we have a few special guests. We've got the Muddy Creek Fishing Guides and the Fat AZ Musky Products crew. So tonight we've got Mr. Todd Young. What's up, dudes? <laughs> We've got shoot him in the leg. <laughs> We've got Mr. Vance Kalos. <laughs> and we've got Mr. Andy Zomchek. Hey, how are you? So I'm super excited about this one. Guys, I I have first and foremost, let me just thank you guys for taking the time out of your busy schedules to come on and talk musky fishing tonight. I greatly appreciate that. I've got the utmost respect for you guys, you know, not only as fishermen, but just as people, you know, it's just exciting to be able to get guys like you on to talk fishing. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this tonight. Thank you. No problem. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's, I mean, it already is. It's yeah, off great. Prior to this, it was, I guess we're kind of a handful. Uh, you know, we do podcasts. <laughs> Like it's, you know, we know like the back of our hand, but uh, it actually took about 25 minutes to, for us to settle down and uh, get this ready. Walk away on podcasts, you know? Yeah. There you go. See you later. There you go. Put a bell on him. <laughs> so, wow. We've got, so tonight I want to talk about, I want to talk about Muddy Creek Fishing Guides and we're going to get into a little Fat AZ musky products and i realized after i looked at my notes i realized we're not going to have time to cover everything so we're going to segment this off i've got some questions for you guys hopefully that's okay to get into some of these questions and and uh you know hopefully hopefully this uh this is fun and it's not uh painful for you guys <laughs> no it's been pretty Never fun paint. so far no I, I feel good i feel safe you feel safe <laughs> oh, wait, 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 hold it up. I can't see it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's been really good. <laughs> Are you blinking out Mars code? <laughs> oh. <laughs> not going to be easy for me to keep this on track. It's going to be a blast for us. <laughs> All right, I got to start with my first question. And Todd, I'm going to I'm going to start with you on this and then I'm going to go yeah. directly to Vance and then to Andy. So, 
My Thank first you for question, outlining it for us children. I, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, all right. How long? Uh, the question is, how long have you been musky fishing for? Now, I know you guys have tons of experience, but just in generalities, Todd, how long have you been doing this thing for? Yeah, I mean, this is something I just grew up doing. My grandpa was into musky fishing. He started going up to Canada when he came back from World War II. So that was way before I was born. But uh, when I was born, I put we put a post, post uh, picture up on Facebook the other day of, I mean, that was literally, it was like my first birthday spent in Canada. Grandpa brought one back. Obviously, I don't remember that picture, but uh, I just grew up doing that. You know, uh, we went to Canada every year and uh, fished a little bit locally for them. But you got to remember back in those days, there, you know, Pimatuning Lake was an older lake, but Moraine State Park, a lot of the places people are fishing nowadays, they just weren't there. So most of our fishing was done up at Chautauqua and vacation trips to to Canada. So. Man, I remember seeing my first one sitting in the boat with my grandpa. I was probably like five or six years old, and he had one fall of the boat. I was sitting there with a worm off the side of the boat, and uh, I, I can still remember seeing that fish. I got the bait that he caught the fish on, but first it followed, then he caught it later. But I remember asking him, I said, hey, Pap, do muskies bite worms? Because I was sitting there holding a little worm on my on my pole and uh you know i'll never forget seeing that fish so i started shortly after when i was about uh, <clears throat> six years old maybe caught my first one yeah so that's pretty long time ago for me <laughs> <laughs> they do bite worms they will bite right? worms you know and, that, and that's how i caught my first one on the yakagani river and i was probably around that age uh like seven eight years old i was with my crazy uncle who's been on you know we talk about him on the podcast <laughs> uncle gus the guy that backed a boat in off of a break wall because he thought it was a boat launch um yeah <laughs> but i caught it caught it out of a, a 14 foot uh i don't think it was a sea nymph you know it was so it was so bright i just remember when i was little that this boat was so bright he would wax it and i mean this thing is a boat that you would pay twenty dollars for to row on twin lakes where you're where you're from up there but he treated it like it was his baby and i had a worm on the bottom in some current and damn Caught thing, a was a musky you know <laughs> and he was going wild i mean he's like it's a walleye it's a walleye it's a musky it's a musky he was going nuts and uh we drove the thing really good release tactic. We drove it about uh, a quarter mile up the river and uh, just to show my dad, because for some reason we had left my dad on the bank because uh, oh. it was my, my cut, my little cousin was in the boat. Um, and, you know, to be quite honest, you know, my dad was probably in the best place out of all of us alone away from that boat. Um and enjoying himself but we came strolling in with this you know like 24 inch musky and uh got some polaroids of it and um released it like walking in the water i'll, I'll never forget that day right on the yawk river that was my first musky very cool that is a cool story makes me uh i'm not all that far from the yawk here 
I'll just spend some time in there. So, Andy, how long have you been muskie fishing for? Well, I need to address something what Vance and Todd were talking about. They don't hit worms up where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they do not. I don't know if uh, I've the, ever caught one. I honestly don't know if I've ever caught one on a worm, Andy. I mean, I asked the question, but Vance might be the only one that caught one on a worm. Well, I didn't see a photo, so it didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. Truth. So, Truth. That's, that's how this, this, isn't that how this works? Is like no photo, you know, it didn't happen. Right. Um, but uh, I'm going to probably say I can actually trace mine back to a year. It was, uh, it beats everybody's. It was, uh, you know, the booming twenties. You know, that's <laughs> the roaring. <laughs> right before 20s. the Great Depression, I was the, the first guy out there stocking these fish. I was, you know, a pioneer. Um, but more realistically, I think it was like 2006. So what's that? 15 years ago, about up there and about. Uh, I was getting out of a motorcycle phase that I was I was in a lot of fun toys and slowing down getting older and decided to pick up fishing a little bit harder i'd been fishing my whole life but you know it's just kind of how it works when you get old you pick up a rod right todd um, oh yeah so i have a dog came to treat me so yeah about 15 years um my first muskie came out of malax in minnesota um I don't know how much of the story you want to hear, but I went on a guided trip up there. It was like a last minute. I just cobbled it together. Uh, I saw every season that day on, on that boat. It was like a 620 or 621. It was a big fisherman. And, you know, we went out in like four foot white caps and he was skipping across them. I was like half falling out of the boat. Then it got sunny and calm and hot and just horrible and, double 10 over a weed bed sunset bay so if anyone up in Mille Lacs knows where that is double 10 uh, isn't that funny though that you you brought up something there where you know four footers you skip right over the waves yeah you do but I don't think people know how uncomfortable it is to skip over four foot waves in any oh, of the it was barely light out boats. it was barely light out and the first time I was like in a big boat and he's like, let's go. And I'm like, I mean, we just got done launching. I want to, I want to think it was at an Indian reservation. And he, when we were there, like launching the boat, because I hope I can get out. I'm like, well, geez, every boat launch I know of is, is not that hard to get out of. Mm -hmm. And it was like motor trimmed all the way up. Like you'd see those guys down South with those mud motors. It was spraying a fountain of mud and lily pads everywhere. It was, it was a mess. And then we just get out of like, I don't know, I'd call it the no wake zone. And I'm like, this is going to be a nightmare of a day. And we fished hard. I fished probably 12 hours that day. It, it I worked for that fish. Let's just put that's it a up. long, that's a long fishing day for you, my friend. Double tens the whole time. The same silly <laughs> girl. It wasn't a cowgirl. It had a silicone skirt. And he told me, you put this bait on and use it all day. You're going to catch a fish. And I said, well, that's all I need to know. Abu 7000s. That's the real. I cut my finger on his tooth. I burnt my my thumb print <laughs> off on the reel. I had to buy the guy lunch because he forgot his wallet. It was just, you know, the classic day. That's a tactic. Classic guy. Day with a guide. Yeah. yeah. 
I've forgotten my money and I don't have any lunch. <laughs> Looks like you're going to have to buy me something. Oh, well, now the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, that uh, that is, I feel like that could be used in, in many different career choices though, as an owl. That's not just the guiding thing. But I, so I want, I was curious about, you know, when you guys started, because I mean, obviously you guys have tremendous amounts of experience when it comes to musky fishing, you know, and I, I was excited to ask Andy that question because, you know, listening to, as a faithful listener of the Fat AZ podcast, you know, it's, it's, it's always to me like one extreme to the, to the next with you guys, you know, being on the water virtually every day through that, that time frame, you know, in season on Chautauqua. And then Andy, I feel I feel bad because I feel like you get out maybe 17 minutes on a in a given month, depending upon, you know. I mean, you're being generous there. Yeah. 17. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, pretty much. You're not far off with that. But that doesn't. So the point there, though, is, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, though, pre kids and, and all of that. You were out there doing it. So I, I have some questions for you later on, but I want to transition to another question for Todd and Vance you know what I guess how did you guys get into guiding or what made you want to get into to guiding for muskies Todd's lavish lifestyle the women <laughs> the women um, <laughs> the money and uh the power yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, uh, I, I start... Todd, you go first. <laughs> so I was doing my, my thing, like in all honesty, when I got out of college, uh, you know, sociology, criminal justice degree, and it was like, okay, I'm going to go after some of these career choices. But I knew deep down, like I, the whole time I knew, you know, I started seeing what some people were doing with the guiding. There was no one doing any guiding business, much of anything like in Pennsylvania, basically nothing in Pennsylvania, a little bit up at Chautauqua. There were some old time guides you hear stories about. And uh, the whole, t you know, when I got out of school, I was like, man, you know, I could make a business at Chautauqua Lake doing guiding. So now we're going back. I got out of college in 1992 and, uh, you know, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it at the time. So, you know, I started doing what I did, working construction job and uh, started my own business, doing all that. But deep down, I always thought I wanted to get back to that guiding and then getting involved in Muskie's Inc. You know, we had some really good years with Muskie's Inc. Fishing with the Wiley Lures and doing all this stuff. This is even before Dale and I did the PMTT. And, uh, you know, I had some guys in the in the club saying, man, you ought to start the business. We'd like to go out and see what you're doing to get all these fish. So, you know, it was probably about 95, 96 that I did start doing some guiding in Pennsylvania. I called the people in Pennsylvania, like, what's the rules? What do you want to set up? They're like, where are you fishing? Well, I want to do some in, in you know, like inland lake fishing there were basically was no rule. There was no guide license. There was nothing, you know, they said, well, you ought to get some insurance and go for it. So I started doing it back then, you know, 25 years ago, very limited, you know, a few week, few trips here, a few trips there. I had, 
I, one of the first trips I took, the guy got into it. He ended up being the, the president of, or the vice president of Muskie Inc. chapter 20 years ago. And he did it for years. He got one of his first, he got his first Muskie with me on one of the trips and uh, went from there. It wasn't until about 15 years ago that I was able to like really go full force and go into Sh at Chautauqua Lake. And then Vance can tell you how he got involved. Yeah, I'm just surprised the first thing you did out of the gates was try to be legal. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I didn't know, you know, because I know these other people said, oh, there's all this stuff you got to do. And they had, they had nothing to say. They were just like, go for it. You're going to fish in the lake. There was nobody. There was nothing set up for it. You know, you didn't have to get a guide license. You didn't have to do anything. You just went and did it. So that's what we did. I mean, it's still pretty, like, easy to do in Pennsylvania. I mean, all you yeah. need is a freaking fishing license and insurance, yeah. and they're like, yeah, you're a guide. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, for me, how I got into guiding was fishing with Todd. Uh, and obviously, up at Chautauqua all the time, that's where I learned how to fish. Uh, we would take the family vacation up there two weeks every year, yada, yada, yada. I was young. Um and then once I got to the high school age, of course, I, I wanted to be up there more. But you're in that transition of playing uh, competitive sports and trying to get scholarships and all this stuff. But I really had, you know, fishing in, in my uh, was was a passion, but it was put aside um, for, you know, what you're supposed to do as a, uh, a young lad, which is, you know, degree, job, family, marriage all that stuff. Um, but you know, I went, so I was going up there and, uh, I'd say like 2010, I hit it hard for muskies, uh, and was terrible. And I had the tutelage of my uncles, um, which was, um, good maybe. And, uh, but bless good, he got you out there. they got, got me you. out there, you know? And, uh, but I always knew that like, I was like, this doesn't make any sense what I'm doing. So I went out with Todd, um, maybe like 2011, something like that. And uh, I looked him up and uh, again, saw the lavish lifestyle and did some extensive research. And uh, I was like, uh, you know, this dude's legit, humble, answered me. And uh, we went out and fished and, Cut nothing. Cut. Yeah, like I, that might have actually been made from the same mold until yeah. Vance got his grubby hands on them and ruined them. Um, I mean, the molds <laughs> I use are terrible. I mean, these are like 10 year old molds. They've not changed. Todd gets a new mold like every month when it's bait season. I have the same trash. <laughs> I'm supposed to make these like really nice baits out of them. It sucks. <laughs> but I mean, I guess like those could go in. The, those could go in like the museum hall of fame thing because that's you know they were the original ones. Um, but I'm still using those original ones, um, and it's just like another thing that's like Andy has set me up for for failure. But you know, that's just it's always my it. fault. By the way, anything that goes right. wrong is my fault. Right, 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 right. <laughs> wow. So. All right, so we, we talked about how you guys started guiding, Andy, how you started making baits. Like, 
basically fast forwarding a bunch through the questions that I don't have time to ask you guys to this point, you know, we talked about this You're, you know, from the product standpoint, you're making the best rod holders on the market, you know, and I, the, the reason I'm, I wanted to bring this up too, is because I was out with my buddy, Dan, we were fishing on Pima tuning last fall and had one of the plastic holders in the front of the boat where I, where I sit on his boat, snagged a bait, rod holder broke, rod went over and he just went and just grabbed, just snagged it by the, the top of the reel. And I, you know, I ultimately ended up losing the bait and I could have lost a rod. And I think, you know, for me getting into this and trying to figure all this stuff out, I mean, that was the one thing I knew for sure in my mind that I absolutely want to have in my boat for, you know, when I buy a boat next year, if, if that actually happens, but you know, you, you talk, that product is the best on the market to me. You guys make these baits that just catch fish and they're, they're simple to use too. I mean, you don't, as a jerk bait, you know, it, it seems like from what I listen to you guys, you know, the Raptors are something you take out on a boat and you can hand to a client and say, cast this in early season and they can get the job done, you know? So that's all season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all season long. It's a dying breed though. You think casting jerk baits is a dying breed all throughout the year? I think so. I mean, I, I just feel like it's something that people don't give, give a chance to. I mean, what, what would the other people think? I mean, it's just convoluted with things. I think back when I was green, you know, I, I uh, always used a jerk bait. That was the thing I would use, you know, all the time. Jerk baits, uh, Ladianos, reef hogs, things like that. And then I started reading magazines and I needed something else. So I got those. What's your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, it's a. Yeah, I want to. I mean, like, go ahead, Todd. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate natural fish looking action. You know, I say it all the time when the fish is swimming around, you walk out the dock, the fish doesn't swim like this, or it doesn't have a big squirrely tail. How do they swim? They go, boop, 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 boop. they dart around like a jerk bait. I mean, it's the ultimate natural action that you can give a bait. Hard, hard to do all the time, but, uh, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Andy? You know, like, because I spend so much time, like, perusing through Facebook and stuff, just watching, I, you kind of just get an oversense of trends. And I, I can see where Vance is, like, was saying he thinks dying art. Um, it seems to me, watching the rise in the fall of, the, of bait prices, like different baits, I remember 2012 when on Musky first basement bait section, that forum, Todd will remember that. Yeah. We, we came out with the Raptor and this was like right when baits were really starting to get high end, the paint jobs were getting a lot better and people were figuring out different layers and stuff like that. And we didn't sell a lot of those baits at that time and every year since we have had a more and more sales I, I think that we're holding steady there but there were baits after us that i watched pop up on that bait uh basement baits that had a rise and fall and i'm not going to name names but i think todd you're going to remember like what we're talking about 
Mm-hmm. That there was a certain bake that went from nothing to like the bake to have, and now you don't even hear about them. And a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot of people, for good reason, several manufacturers and, and onesie twosie builders followed that trend and hopped on it. And I'm going to say largely now that's, they're still making them, but there's not that hype that follows it. Now that could have been because people were putting really high end paints on them. And if there's a collector value when you see something beautiful, um, but it, it seems to have lost its steam. And what now seems to be the hot ticket is painted big rubber baits. You're seeing the paint that they're doing to them. That seems to, I mean, yeah, we make the rubber baits, but there's people out there getting 50, 60, $80 out of a rubber bait that I scratch my head at because you have your, you, you probably better put that on your wall because a 20 inch pipe can ruin it real quick. Mm-hmm. So, but I get it. How much do you want to pay for a musty? That's, that's what some of this comes down to. Um, but I don't think we're going to get away from a jerk bait. Um, just how, you know, we've got a really good paint process down. It's really, it's really durable and they work. I've caught fish in my rivers. Like I was saying, if the water stopped moving, it would freeze. Um, an eight inch bait in the middle of winter is not a big bait. An eight inch bait in the middle of summer, you know, it's, it's the perfect size. It's what they're eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it you can go smaller you can go bigger but that's just one that you can just use all day long and i think as more anglers get into it they kind of fall into their own patterns of what works and what influences that patterns is what's hot right now this new group of anglers coming up are going to see big beautiful painted rubber and they're going to be fishing with them they're going to catch that fish and that's going to kind of be their baits that they're always going to fall back on when times are tough so I kind of that all of that was said because I think Vance is kind of right. It has fallen out of favor because the, the crash of the jerk bait market, they're also getting four hundred dollars a bait. That's probably the reason why they crashed. Yeah, that's but. kind of hard to do. I mean, that's the way. So real quick, I'll go I'll go into this. The way Andy and I we've talked about it on the podcast and stuff, but so we were having a little show through the Three Rivers chapter of Muskie's Inc. And as much as I don't like looking at the computer and Facebook and all this and all that stuff, but I found, and I found this local bait makers making a rubber bait. And I knew with my guiding trips, man, it'd be nice to have a, a rubber bait that I can hand to people. I know I can just throw them, jig them, jerk them, whatever. And uh, might as well use somebody local. Let's get a hold of this guy. And he came down to the show. We invited him down to the show. He came down and went up and talked to him. He said, just take a couple of these and, you know, see what you think. Let me know. We caught one on the third. So I played with it on the dock. I had a guy coming down to do the trip. And I was like, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. It's a paddle. It's a rubber bait. It's a paddle tail. And uh, third cast, the guy threw. He's like, fish on. He caught a fish. Sent Andy a photo. That led to the whole uh, where fat is he is now. Because as Andy mentioned earlier, what else would you like? I was like, man, I want to, I want a jerk bait that'll be easier for people to use. And after a long time, a couple of years of playing around or a year and a half playing around, we came up with it. So, 
That's how funny, fat is me, sort of. To go uh, along go with your thing, Todd, <laughs> I ended up looking through old emails, and I found that email Yeah, that you sent me on the third cast. Just like last really. week when I was doing <laughs> updating the website. Yeah, it has its own little webmail thing, and I'm like, I wonder what's in this. And there's there's all the old emails from Don. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I, where I was going with this, I, I was cur- <laughs> I was curious about the the jerk bait stuff because I think Andy, you shed some light on that too. Like, I, I think being new or newer into the sport, you know, I've got a couple years under my belt now, so I wouldn't say completely brand new, but you know. There's so there are so many trends you can get caught up in, and I think ultimately I can see that you know with some of this stuff. But you know what what I wanted to go back to was, you know, the products that you're making, you know, top of the line. As far as Muddy Creek goes, I mean, you guys, this is just my opinion. You guys are to me the best, you know, in that conversation for best fishermen in the country, a best guide service, you know, Vance you we went fishing with you me and my brother i got my brother's got his first muskie with you you know todd spent time with you on on your boat and got my personal best i mean from a personal standpoint it's probably easy for me to be partial but the biggest thing is you know when i started talking to you guys it was at the shows like muskie max you know ohio and just even if it was just uh you know a five minute conversation it was always something that I learned something coming away from the conversation and there are some guides out there that aren't willing to do that, you know, and, and I just think I kind of wanted to bring this all, you know, fast forwarding because we went from where you guys started to where, where you guys are now, you know, some of the best things on the market, some of the best, you know, you guys are some of the best fishermen out there and the best guide service on, on Chautauqua. And even, you know, if you guys do some stuff in, in PA. So I just thought that was, that was kind of a, a, I guess a, a cool thing to hear how you guys got started knowing where you're at now, if that's fair. Um, so uh, Andy, I do have a question for you because I feel all like right, I'm all yours. I, I met, so I met you, I think years back and I, I couldn't, I took pictures. This was probably, I don't know. It had to be maybe seven, eight years ago at the Allegheny outdoor show in Monroeville at the Expo Mart. Were you I was ever not there? Okay. I was just want to make that sure. You? I don't what's that? So I remember talking to I thought it was you at that Allegheny outdoor show at some point. And I can remember rod holders and different things, but it was probably I would say between six and eight years ago. I was just curious if you were ever at the Allegheny outdoor show. The Alle- There's Todd, no way he was. Todd, did you do that show? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, I, I was there. Okay, yeah, I okay. was there. All right, I was just curious. I mean, for a couple of years, I was there. I, I yeah. Todd used to run that. Used to do a booth there, and then there. I've been there with Vix <laughs> for the past three. Um, but Todd used to that that show has been going on for like forty years. I think with the pandemic, this is the first year it's ever been off. So yeah, um, but. That was a show that I looked forward to just from a fishing standpoint. And then it it really just, I don't know, man, it just went downhill for a while. Different. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just, there was more like, I mean, you could go and get shingles for your house. Oh yeah. Gutter guards. (laughs) 
yeah, gutter guards and like things like that. But I was just curious because I, I, I had that in my, my brain to ask you about. I was just curious if you were ever down there. Um, so, I mean, there are imposters. Yeah, there are. Do you, do you need like an Andy sticker, like the Dale Wiley sticker? Yeah. <laughs> I had someone at the other. Uh, I had someone the other day at the at the at the show. I saw you at the other night, the the Muskie Inc. meeting. Swap me. Someone someone said. Uh, so are these real AZs, or are you just making these as copies? I what? Said, no, they, those are the real AZs. <laughs> no, they did. I took a few show colors. I went down. I showed up an hour and a half late because I was up at Andy's too long. But yeah, they asked a partner in the business. <laughs> he, he said, "Is this, this a real AZ, or are you just making these?" I said, "I am making them, and they are AZs." <laughs> That's awesome. So we've come along. Yeah. Good. How about these, Andy? And yeah. d- d- talk about the uh, Ryan's brought up the rod holders a couple times. Yeah. Quick thing, how those came around. You go ahead and tell it. I mean, we, we can go way back and working on Project X. I, was gonna, like, I, I think was I got start a rod holder. That. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's where I was going to start with. Mm-hmm. I think it was the last. Was it the last Butler show inside the church? Yeah, the Butler Church show. Yeah. Yeah, so the Butler show, the Butler fishing show was at Butler High School. I think at the high school or the middle school, something. It was in the cafeteria. And I looked forward to that show every year. Well, the Muskie Max kind of came on the scene. And now you have two local shows kind of competing. And I don't know what happened, but the Butler show actually went to uh, inside of a church. And God's plan. That's right. (laughs) It's divine intervention. And... We were talking, you had your friend, your friend Nick showed up, Mm -hmm. like Todd, Nick and myself were talking and somehow in the conversation, it showed up like, Hey, can you make a rod holder that jerks? And I'm like, probably, I mean, it can't be that hard. We've been talking about this for years. Can you do this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've never been done. Why not? Let's just do it. Such BS. Two weeks, two weeks after that Butler show was the Muskie Max. And it, it was one of the first Muskie Maxes. And I had built a prototype in between that time. And it was, it was, it looked horrible, but it was working. And I took up at work, we have a, a big press break. And it's a production press break that has a counter. Every time it cycled, it would it would click a number on like a, well, a counter. And I hooked it up to this thing, to, to this Project X. So this Project X is a rod holder that has a motor that will oscillate the rod on a timer. It's on timer based. And it's not to set the hook or anything like that. It's to bring more action to a trolling bait. So uh, to kind of give an example here, if you're trolling straight and you're at four miles an hour, your bait is going to be going four miles an hour until you take a turn. Good visual, Vance. Um, but with Project X, when it when it cycles, it will pull the bait. The rod sweeps about 30 degrees, and then it comes back to the resting position, just like that. So if anyone watched Vance right there, the bait with an eight foot rod will roughly double its speed for about a second. 
then it drop when it falls back it actually stops it almost quits wiggling because the fall is this matching the speed of the boat so the bait's going four miles an hour eight miles an hour stop four miles an hour it change in speed and it's also going to probably give you a little bit of depth change it can trigger strikes if you have a neutral fish behind there that could be what it takes so no doubt. that's kind of the whole premise of, of a of, you know a motorized rod holder so getting back to the design, I ended up like seat clamping this thing to a table. I put a rod in it. I think I had like a milk jug that I filled up. No, was it a milk? Todd, what was it? It, it was, was a five-gallon bucket, wasn't it? Or paint paint can or something? It was like, we... yeah, it was like a gallon of like lacquer thinner. It was some kind of a yeah. gallon container. And I filled it with, with water and I tied it with like paracord to the end of this junk rod. And I let this thing go just, just to try what happens. And it didn't take but like five cycles, and now I was doing battle with like an ancient medieval mace. Off. This thing was flinging just everywhere. I'm like, how do I get close to it? Because it's guarding itself with this eight pound <laughs> weight swinging everywhere. Because I didn't have it going left and right. I needed gravity to help me, so I had the rod jigging actually. Well, I got that figured out on how to do it better. Um, and I had that the, this counter set up and. I let it run like a half a million cycles. I, I was very trusty back then with, with a car battery hooked up to a charger the whole time. I'm down at the Muskie Max. And, Safe. you know, Todd's kind of in the loop on what's going on. And I'm like, it's yeah. running right now. Like, I just let it run just for like a weekend. And I'm not there to getting you know, text put out the counter. fire. I remember, my place I remember one time you... I remember one time you said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to go home at lunchtime. I, I, I got to go check this because I don't know. Sleep work. <laughs> Make sure the building wasn't on fire. Burn the building down. Yeah, but that, but that led to. So Well, okay, so Todd really yeah. liked his, his, uh, his fish on rod holders that were rail mounts. And a lot of people prior to Project X liked the standard rails. Like when I say rails, I'm talking ranger rails. The, the boats you would like the the rails you would see on ranger boats and they can set how tight the rod holder clamps onto that rail and you can tip the rod uh we'll talk about why rod tipping is important not right now but later and todd was like you know i really i really still want this rod to tip and i'm like well i'm not putting a plastic rod holder on this machine because i don't know obvious reasons you know you would expect it to break yeah. every time so the only like real answer we had was a down east and down east makes two rod holders not not a lot of people know about the one rod holder but the standard one is called a salty and the salty has a whole bunch of different mounts but none of their mounts will allow the rod to tip so i had to come up with a way to have this rod still tip and that's what you know, came up with the way we have the uprights and the friction washer and all yep. that stuff. It originally started on the project deck. So, yep, it comes around in so many different odd ways when you're working on this stuff, whether it's a bait, whether it's a rod holder. I remember Andy, I can still remember him telling me this right now. He's like, I don't know how this mechanical rod holder is going to work that we've talked about, but I think I came up with a really cool idea that people might want for a rod holder we got a bunch of different parts and washers and we, i started playing with them and you know, right off the bat you put one in here one in there and i try one i was like this one ain't gonna work andy 
this yeah, one has I mean, potential. We and then we go from there. That's the way you do this stuff. You got to go out and use it, you know? And that's the way the broad holder came about. Project X brought that whole thing about. It's like when you build a space shuttle, you know, NASA invests all this money in the space shuttle. Yeah, it's to get you to the moon, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that they figured out along the way that helps people every day. And so our rocket ship was Project X, but it spawned off what we call the straight straight base rod holder. And then it wasn't very long after that, that people were like, Hey, it'd be nice if this thing was off the side of the boat so we can yeah. get a straight down, down rod, <laughs> a vertical down rod. And then it just, it, it rolled from there. And then people wanted rail mounts that weren't beating up their rails. And, and it just slowly builds every year as I see more opportunities, not necessarily problems, but people will come to me with opportunities and I'll design something and kind of make it work. And that's how the new stuff happens is there's got to be a better way. That's a, that feels like the theme <laughs> yeah. right now. But I mean, that's, I mean, that's interesting. So, and I, I don't know that I'm sure I did hear that at some point with the project X. I mean, I'm, I've seen the project X, I've seen all the stuff you guys have done on it, but you know, I think, so where I, the next question I have is, you know, I want to kind of jump to some of these, to some of these baits, you know, Todd Vance, you guys fish with these baits, you know, every, every year you're out there on the water every day during the season doing this. Um, I want to just talk like a couple tips and tricks with some of these baits and in the lineup that I have, I've got, I've got swimmers, but I've only got the six inch swimmers. I've got a bunch of those now. Vance sold me a Goldie that I lost somewhere like late last year but i've got a bunch of colors i've got the six inch rafter i've got the eight inch rafter i've got the soft tail eight inch and i got the stinger in front of me so my question for you guys is you know looking at this lineup and knowing that you guys are out there guiding people and there's casting trips available and you're using these baits, like what can you, maybe starting with the swimmer, do you guys, do you guys have like a specific tip you can give me for fishermen that, you know, want to try to go use a swim bait and catch a muskie on this? Is there a good application for you guys? Uh, Vance, do you want to, can you start with that one? I'm going to answer yeah. more. I'm the inventor of this one. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to listen to Vance anymore on this. Okay. Number one tip, keep it in the water. That's all you need. Top that. Keep Hot it shot. in the water. <laughs> wow. Hot shot. <laughs> like, Whatever. I'm just, I'm just, uh, the, I'm the redhead stepchild of like, these two apps. That's like, all I am. Like, it, it's, it's incredible. He wore the fitting t shirt. What? My t shirt. I'm going to make a comment since the t shirt's brought up. It, to me, when I'm looking at your little picture here, it looks like your hands are together praying all the time. This like the is. Like the way the shirt folds, but okay. My second favorite movie, Bloodsport, is John Claude Van Damme. He is, I mean, this this moment in the movie, I mean, it, it can make a man. You, I would, uh, shameless plug, Bloodsport, 
Look it up. Kumite, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Ray Jackson. Uh, the soundtrack of the movie. Uh, he wants to talk about specifically the about specifically. You, you want to talk about a presentation for Allure? Lit, Google search Bloodsport Triumph <laughs> and then throw a bait and you're going to catch a fish hands down. That's the song. This movie makes a man makes a human in in, uh, in many ways but you know uh, my my uh, my question was was cut off uh, by keeping it in the water so I mean I'm just I, a old boy you here to, to be a hero here and you got to talk about an old movie that no one's seen so you didn't you talk me up to be nothing you're Daniels, like let okay? me I'm the inventor here let me take the reins like there, there's no doubt. Andy is a is the type of brain where if you have a visual, he can create it, and we always talk about that. But on the water, you need to have people that come up with that visual, you know. And uh, Todd helped him with that. I've helped him with that uh, when we're when we're testing things. Um, but yeah, no doubt, Andy's. And he's the brains of everything. We've always said that, you know, and it's it's good to have a guy in the corner when it's a fan. I, you know, my first call is Andy, uh, whether it's in the boat or if, you know, my drains clog. He's just that type of brilliant guy. Um, and he's an asshole. But, um, <laughs> you know. I, I don't even remember what the question was because how would you work the swim bait? I was asking you for a tip on the swimmers. Give me one tip oh, for a new musky fisherman. For a new musky fisherman, or here's just an somebody that wants to fish a swimmer in the water. <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes! <laughs> how many fish? I don't know where Todd went, but how many fish gone. Todd Bryan's caught? Just by sitting off the back of the boat, picking it up, lowering it down. Todd put Todd put the phone in the glove box. Jeez, what we can't even get through this. I'm trying to find a way to charge my phone. I had this thing charged completely. This is really draining my battery. I have an old phone. Okay. Hi. Okay. Are you charged? No. We don't look very smart right now because we can't get through this. <laughs> no, I mean, whatever. I don't have it. I don't have it okay, Todd, give a tip on how to work a swim bait. I got to take the reins, pull this one out of the ditch. How to work it? Yeah. Do whatever you want. Jig it, cast it, swim it. I mean, use it like a jerk bait. I started using them different, and Andy made it to like just be a swim bait, which works great <laughs> down in the rivers. I started. Yeah, using I would straight retrieve like them, and Todd would jerk them. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. I mean, that's, that's good. I, uh, the, the reason I, the reason I asked this, I mean, I, I'm trying to give people a useful tip, but the other thing is I talked, <laughs> I talked to gear man, Steve. Listen, one of, can I answer this question? <laughs> I asked you. We've tried I mean, I thought, this is what I'm talking about. This is the three of us. I'm the redheaded stepchild guy. They just trample all over me. What's a good way to use a... The, the thing about the swimmer is the paddle tail puts off a thump like nothing else on the market. 
from the six inch to the 10 inch, a good presentation for something like that would be uh, if you're on the river, a deep eddy hole, you can use it as a jig bait, any, anything like that. You can straight retrieve it. And on the straight retrieve, it's going to wobble like this. And it's going to put off this thump that you're going to feel on your rod tip. Uh, it's very unique in that, in that, uh, in, in that uh, presentation where a, a lot of them kind of seem dead. Um, but you feel this thump the entire time. Uh, if you're on a big lake, obviously the breaks, the weed edges, um, if you can get them to, uh, you know, sink down and then just rip them as hard as you can and then let it sink again and then rip it as hard as you can. And of course that would change between our six to eight to 10 inch where they all, they all range in a, uh, a different weight class. Like our six is a three to four ounce, our eight is somewhere in the five to six ounce range. And then our 10 is a man beater. Uh, that thing's around 11 ounces. Um, so your sink rate is extreme, uh, pretty much for, for each of them. Uh, but what is unique about them is that, is that tail kick. On a break, you can straight retrieve. You can jig. You can do whatever you want. I almost use them as a, as a jerk bait uh, on, those, on those deep edges and off, off the deep water. Um, with with a, a really solid rip where you hear the, where you feel that on your on your rod tip let it sink and do it again there's a lot of times when we're telling clients um that's the biggest that. that's, that's probably the biggest tip like when someone's throwing one i just tell them whatever you're doing whether you're jigging it if, if you if you're not feeling those thumps in that rod then you got to work it just a little quicker mm -hmm. you know as long as you feel that thump I know what's going on if that thumb's happening. So do the fish. You got to feel mm -hmm. that thumb. Mm -hmm. Now this is this is summertime now. Now the thing where where you brought up Gearman Steve, who is, uh, I guess third in line as compared to me uh, in using these things, um, even though I make them now and 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 paint them. But uh, what Gearman did was like he calls it. Uh, you know, the, the most versatile rubber bait um, and, and what essentially he can do. There's, there's, there's a podcast you could read it, read about it, but what, what sticks to my mind is uh, he takes that bottom hook off and he kind of uh, makes an external harness on it from the tie point and puts that bottom treble on the top of the bait. And in say this time of year in March uh, in the river and on a current break, he'll run that on the bottom and just use it so, so slow uh, and, and get fish to go that way. And of course he's done things like that in the past. This is a guy that came from uh, a very uh, strict bass regimen. Um, so he's always testing new things with baits and, you know, has a rod per bait uh, that he uses. Um, but there, there's just a lot of versatility with it. And like to break the versatility down, uh, you can cast it, you can jig it, and uh, you can straight retrieve it. That's our versatility that we use on our charters. But the paddle tail, the thump that it puts off with that wiggle is imperative to uh, its success in strikes.
Okay, that that was huge because I feel Thanks. like I appreciate you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you might be the only one. <laughs> oh, it's no doubt. I mean, that's that's kind of what I was looking for, though, because you know, like there's some people out there that have never picked up a swim bait. As odd as that may sound, you know that they might want to look at these. And the reason I brought up Gearman is because he actually showed me the pictures of what he was doing. So that gave it a little extra maybe life from what you guys have had him on the show and talked about the versatility of this thing. But to see the pictures of what he's doing with this, I mean, that that's really that's really cool that that bait is there and available and you can do so many things with it. So my next question, and I don't want to go, I guess, too in depth in this, but Raptors, you know, what if you guys had one tip for musky anglers on working a raptor what would that tip be uh let's go with let's go with todd first on this one yep for me it's going to be that pause something you can't do with most jerk baits out there i mean you can you can grab a jerk bait you can add a bunch of weights to it and you can give it that pause but like out of the box what we're trying to do hit that near neutral buoyancy rip 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 pause how many times the fish have hit for me when i've had my hand down in my pocket grabbing to make an adjustment with my trolling motor and that thing's just dead sticks sitting out there you know easy to use but that pause is big rip 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 a couple big ones give it give it that pause that's my biggest tip for the raptor okay all right vans keep Todd it under a minute talk God damn it. Uh, Todd covered a lot of that. Uh, where, where that pause comes in uh, into effect is at the boat side. You know, you get a follow. Uh, you may not get a follow, things of that nature. Um, if you pause it at the boat side, it's still down in the strike zone. You can see the thing right there. Um, and fish follow all the time just because you can't see them behind it on the tail of the bait they're still there they might be belly bottom if you're in 11 12 foot of water many times or i keep that thing paused and those fish will come out from underneath your feet at the boat side so i like to give it a pause at the boat side maybe about 10 feet out give it a couple seconds before i go into the uh the figure eight motion or your boat side maneuver and that pauses what drives them crazy and, and sometimes triggers strikes. So I always, we, we, we talk about like how, you know, you just feel it in the cast where this, you feel like a fish is following every time and you know, it's there, but you can't see it. Like in that pause where the Raptor's designed to be like neutrally buoyant and it's just sitting there raising slowly. That's when I feel like, I'll be able to see a fish. And sometimes I do, they don't necessarily strike all the time, but you'll be like, my God, there it was, you know, you, you'll, you'll see the shadow of it. So boat side. All right. Boat side. And I remember listening to you guys talk about this before, you know, even like early season too, just like when you get it boat side, you just kind of leave it hang there. Like almost like you could have a conversation with it just sitting in the water, you know, for what sure. might feel like a minute or two at a time maybe longer, but I mean, that, 
so that's kind of where where I struggle with the Raptor. And I don't know if it's just me because like typical jerk baits that I would use, you know, I'm I'm used to using like husky jerks and smaller Rapala jerk baits and things. When I look at the Raptors, they're not they're not huge baits, but for some reason I struggle with maybe the cadence or how to work them. Do you guys have any uh, tips, you know, with regards to how and I know Vance, you have that video out there as well. And I knew people ask me that question and I always tell them to go out and watch your video, you know, if they haven't done that, but like, is there anything when you guys are working these Raptors, is it more of a, that's that pole motion? Is it, are you tapping? You know, what, what, can you give me anything on that? Well, it comes down to your rod setup at that point. Uh, are you in like what I first started with a, a classic jerk uh, where you kind of have to be vertical on it, where you're here, here, here. Uh, with the longer rods, you're kind of more like chest level and then down to a 45. And the, the most important thing about it is in between each jerk, you have to have no slack line. And that's going to that's gonna get your true pauses and get that bait to run in the way that it's designed. Um, and Can I generally, expand on that, Vance? Please. Okay. So – by what Vance means on no slack line, when you get done with your pull, reel the tip back to the line, like back straight to the bait. So to me, the jerk is, is, a, is if I didn't have to plug my phone in when I went bye-bye, I would have jumped in on my little tip. But well, that's I, the problem. I'm running, I'm running out of uh, battery juice here. Well, I, I plugged in, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready to rock forever. Okay. Um, so I'm going to change position. I'll be back. Go right. ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. you, you can give me, you can give me your tip too. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it uninterrupted because they're just slowing me down. That's a, that's a joke. I do a lot of jokes that suck. So if you guys haven't found that out, I, like um, <laughs> I do too. So the, um, for me, the biggest tip with the Raptor is, People hear the word jerkbait. I sometimes will interchange that with a pool bait. Um, when people hear jerkbaits, they think, oh, you're out there essentially setting the hook to get this bait to work. And that's not what it's supposed to do. That's not how it's designed. It is more of a relaxing pool style bait. So I like to pull the bait as if I'm setting the hook. I'm pulling across my body. And this is important. So I have the rod in my left hand. I'm taking my left hand and I'm pulling. I'm not like trying to set the hook. I'm not snapping the rod. Pull it from my right side to my left side. Now that now the rod is across my body, I will not just go and point the rod back to the bait because there are times when you're, if you can keep the rod tip, like the rod tip has the line not straight out straight off the rod it's actually like say at a 90 degrees out mm -hmm. off the tip when you reel and move the rod tip back to point to the bait if you can keep a little tension on that line you can feel stuff and todd can agree with this there are times that when you're springing the slack line up you will feel the slightest tap being having that line have tension it will still transmit into the rod there have been times that I'd be pulling up the slack to get the rod to load up for another pull. I'll feel a tap and I'll just set the hook because a fish hit it. Nothing else can cause that tap. 
Now, whether the fish hit it with its tail, its body, or what have you, something, something happened. So I'd set the hook. But keeping tension on that line, like what Vance was saying, um, that's important because it's going to give you the feel of what the bait's doing right then. But it also, if you're going nuts with your pulls, that bait can wander off to the side. You go completely slack. The bait runs into the leader, the line, it gets tangled up, and you're going to get mad because there, a half a cast is wasted. Yeah, but Andy. Having constant contact is key. The traditional old jerkbait guys using the jerkbaits when they get a raptor, you just, I mean, I, I just think you just got to like slow it down and it's easy to use. You don't have to give the big rips. Like I've had some guys that were really into jerkbait fishing that had problems running that raptor because they're just trying to work it like crazy. This is more of it's, it's for ease, man. Pull, reel some slack, rip it, pull some slack. And, uh, that makes a yeah. big difference on how to use it. And, and you can last longer too. If, if you can mm -hmm. be on your A game, you know, at the beginning, and if you're not beating yourself up, like doing like a million sit-ups a minute, trying to do these, work these other jerk baits that might be floating up, you know, and, and that, I, I'm going to explain that. Why some guys jerk the bait, jerk baits real hard is because they're very buoyant. There's a lot of jerk baits that are wood that will float up very fast. And the only way to keep them down in the strike zone is to keep working them fast and hard. With our bait being nearly neutral buoyant, it stays down deeper. So there's not that rush to go and hammer it again. You can make the long sweep pools. You can do little pops. And, and that's, that's important there. And you can last longer to where maybe you're fishing in a stretch of day that you're just not confident in. You'll still be good at the end of the day when your, your confidence is high. So, pacing yourself is great and having a bait that's low impact is even uh, just aids in that versatility with that as well uh you can still work it fast uh with your with an aggressive sweep uh like a maybe your summertime cadence but even in the fall you can give it a solid rip and let it sit there for a second because of its near neutral buoyancy and then engage it again um but so we use it all year round, early yeah. spring to late fall. And uh, I've got the know. first fish of the season on eight inch soft tail and the same bait was the last fish of the season mm -hmm. on an eight inch soft tail. Yeah. Starting in April, ending in November. <laughs> okay. So I, that was, a, that was the only other question I had about the Raptors, you know, it was like the six inch. Is that, are you throwing that more in spring, which I'd assume I, that's what I've heard, you know, and I think mm -hmm. I even asked you that, that question, do you guys with the, the eight inch, is it pretty standard then for through April, you know, April through the end of the year, there's not, uh, I guess. It depends. I mean, for me, it depends mostly where I'm fishing, you know, the six inch is much easier to fish when I'm up in, uh, four or five feet of water because those eights are just going to get down a little too deep. That's why I would throw the sixes then. I would throw the eight, but oftentimes they're just getting a little too deep for what I'm trying to fish. I don't think that eight-inch bait exists. I've had lots of fish grab them early season, you know. Uh, but it's just more situational. You know, the six is a small bait. It's not going to get – it, you know, it doesn't get near as deep as those eights do. 
Okay. I, I want to think that I've thought of Muskie in every month of the year, January through December on an eight inch Raptor. Mm-hmm. So believe it. Yeah. And you can also work them shallow too with just how your rod tip is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally like a, a fisherman that's well versed in casting uh, can pretty much figure out how the bait's going to work within a couple casts. Uh, and I did that changing out jerk baits when I, when I first started it, you could pick it up and you're like, okay, this is how it works. This is how I'm going to run it uh, with, I've caught fish really shallow with, uh, with eight inch raptors and it, and it just all comes with where your pool is and, uh, where you, where your rod is, is it down at your feet or is it down <laughs> above chest, chest level? So it's, uh, it's a bait that like jerk baits are a bait that you have to fish. You just can't cast them. You got to fish them, fish them, fish them. You got to put a lot of work into it. Um, and that comes down with your comf- comfortability and, uh, in a kind of relationship with your rod and reel at that point, uh, if that makes any sense. So I think that makes sense to me. You know, I think you guys, I mean, those are, these are, this is all good stuff because like I said, some people have asked me, you know, how I work these things and I'm not, I mean, I'm not you guys, you know, you guys are on the water ripping these things. And I, I, I've watched Todd, you know, we cast it for a little bit. Um, the last time we were out and I, I got a really good tutorial and just being able to watch you guys how to, you know, work these things. So I appreciate you guys getting in depth in that because I think it's important for, you know, a new fisherman guys that are buying these baits to, to, to hear it. So one more question about the baits and I want to talk about the stinger for just a minute. So Andy, I wanted to start with you on this one. Top tip for the stinger. And also, I want to ask you if you have a, a generic tip for catching muskies bank yanking, or what would be maybe a, a good tip for somebody trying to accomplish that? The biggest thing with the stinger, learn how to use it. Um, it sounds dumb. I've had, you know, well-seasoned fishermen in the boat with me. I hand them a, a glider, and they just – they just don't get it right out the gate. And a lot of guys will like, you know, just hammer on the rod tip too hard. For me, it's just very light little rod tip loads and unloads. Learn how to, once you learn, know how to use a glider, you can use all the gliders. And very flattering, Todd. Um, I can't. <laughs> yeah, you're good. It's all good. <laughs> Power. <laughs> We're, we're going to wrap it up here soon. I'm keeping you guys long enough. So the big thing is, is learning how to use it. And, you know, I even have a video out there somewhere. I should probably be better with this. Showing me at a swimming pool using it and just how little effort it takes to actually make this thing walk. And, and the stinger, for those who don't know, is what's called a glider. Sometimes it's called a jerkbait, but it's not really a jerkbait. It goes left to right in a walk the dog path. Um, and, and just there are some that just do not run well. There's some on the market that do not run well that are hailed as like the best thing ever. And it was again, I'm like, there's got to be a better way. 
So we came up with a glider that would not take a lot of effort to run. The issue is because it takes so little effort, people put too much in it. And like, I don't, I don't get it. It's not working for me. It's, it's very, it's like the violinist of baits. Whereas the Raptor's more of like a drum set. This is just a very finesse bait. But you, once you get it, once you know how to run it, I can steer it around things, like kind of transitioning into this bank yank. I can cast the stinger, you know, in a river, and you're timing it with the current. And you're like, I know that there's a rog, a lock, log or something, whatever, in the way. You can steer the stinger around things, whereas if you were, say, pulling in a spinner bait, you can only really steer it with your rod tip, like putting it from one side to the other. But with the stinger, you can have that thing glide as far as it can left. Tap it again, it turns and goes right. And if you do another quick tap, you can get it to go left some further. You can actually have the bait walk around things based on how long you leave it glide in one direction. So that's that's probably the most advanced bait out there that we make. Um, just learning how to use it. It is not a bait meant for covering ground. If you want to pick apart an area, typically I'd power fish it with the swimmer or the raptor and then maybe turn around and then really dissect it with the stinger because it's going to take a while for you to work that. You might get two or three casts with our other style baits just because that thing's going left and right as much, maybe twice the distance as your cast because it doesn't come up a lot of ground if you're working it to full extent of the glides. Going to bank yanking, and number one tip that I'm going to have, and this one is hard for people. I do my best bank yanking fall into early winter. And as it, as it transitions into late winter, spring, it tends to fade off. Scout. Anyone out there that hunts knows that scouting is important. Scout your rivers. Do it in the summer. I don't hear people talking about that. I had old roadmaps and I would knock on houses and hope that they own some land where I think they did. Now hop on Onyx, you can see who owns it. But I would look at like, hey, here's a confluence. It is across someone's soybean field down through the, like the worst thing ever. You'd be shocked. It's, I get very few no's when you ask, hey, do you mind if I try and go and fish your, your section of river? It's not as threatening as, hey, I'd like to, I saw a giant buck in your backyard. Yeah. I come and shoot it. <laughs> I'm to shoot the big buck. Yeah. Right. And, you know, yeah. I picked up, it's not hard to get these permissions. And so, pretty much, that's part of the scouting. I kind of have a routine. I haven't asked permission in a while, but I would say, you know, I'd go up to someone's door, you know, especially nowadays, you know, I'd go up, I'd knock, and, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, dressed in like the shirt Vance has or anything like that, but very neutral clothing. <laughs> and, and you just have a thing. Hi, my name is this, you know, it, I, I like, I'd like to go fishing. I see that, you know, you guys have some section of river. Would it be a problem if I fish this once or twice, you know, in the coming months, if you want, I can stop and let you know when I'm on here, I can let you know when I leave. I only have my backpack. I only have this. I don't bring food. I don't bring candy bars. I am not going to leave trash. I let them know that all up front. And if there's garbage back there, 
carry it out. If they see you doing it and don't just like go up to them like, Hey, look what I found back there. Do those little things. And I have by doing that gained permission to hunt without even asking. So it's not threatening to say, can I go fishing? Especially if you're holding a fishing pole, whatever your I don't want to call it gimmick, whatever your way of doing it is, but scouting in the summer, you are going to learn more about your river that you're scouting. Cause I do a lot of bank yanking on rivers when the water is low and clear in the summer, you can look into it and fish it by all means, fish it in the summer. You'll know, Hey, there's a log jam over here. You might not know that log jam is there when there's two or three feet more water and it has a lot more current, but you're going to know, Hey, there's slack water behind here. I might want to fish, you know, up in front of the hole in the summer, but I like the way this thing eddies in the winter get to know your spots. And I've had spots that I've fished that I scouted in the summer that I, um, By that I, it, it's taken me years to pull a muskie out of, and you just, you, you just go there with the confidence. There has to be a muskie here. Oh, and, and the one hole that I'm actually thinking of, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. I went to this hole. It is, it's 10 yards off of the road, a main road no one fishes it like just no one does they just drive right by it over a bridge and everything i and it took me a long time i was there fishing it with all these little musky baits because it's, it's a small hole and i mean this hole is probably 40 feet by 40 feet and i'm like there's got to be a musky in here and i start catching walla on musky baits and i'm like well time to make some lemonade so the next time i showed up I brought a musky rod and a walleye rod. I work it with the musky rod, no musky. I'm a couple minutes in jigging for walleyes and I catch a musky. So I don't, I don't get it, but it happens. But it's one of these things that you, you'll learn what to say. This feels musky. There has to be a musky. I know there's a musky. I just got to get him to eat or I got to be here when he's ready to eat. But do your summer scouting. Look at maps, mark up your phone or whatever you got to do no permissions try to keep people's names because i've had people come up hey what are you doing i'm like oh yeah john smith told me i'm allowed to fish down here you know is there a problem that stuff goes a long way but learn your stuff while it's easy to learn i think that's a good one and the other thing is i what i i actually did that for the first time last year i waited and and hit where i where i've been fishing and the water was low and there was a couple of baits that I had snagged that I could get back at, you know, mm -hmm. so like that, that's another advantage, but I think, I, I think you're right. I don't think a lot of people do that and take the time to, to scout. I mean, hunting, scouting for hunting is like critically important, you know, same, same deal applies for fishing. So yeah, absolutely. A lot of these like bank yanking spots, you can only take so much. I mean, standing in one spot, I have a spot that I could stand from daylight to dark doing the same cast. And I think any cast, something's going to happen, but there are other holes that I'm like, I worked you over. I'm on to the next. And if you can have two, three, a, a whole section of river, like 30 miles of river, if you can put together like a milk run, as we used to call it, you can go from spot to spot. And if it's cold out, you're warming up while you're driving, you're getting pumped up. You can hit three or four holes down and three those same three or four holes back up and make, make a day of fishing. And it's, it's not as bad because they're, they're broken up, yeah. but along the lines with that permission, 
I tried to ask permission every single year. I want them to recognize me. I want them to know that I'm not going to screw with anything. Develop a relationship. That's, that's a big thing. Yeah, it's good. I mean, that's all good stuff. Vance, if I were <laughs> to ask you for one tip for musky fishermen or new musky fishermen, what would that one tip be? Learn it on your own. Uh, go out, take your beating, and learn from there. Earn it. Earn it. That's what you got to do. It, it, uh, embrace the suck. If, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to learn to just enjoy the act of fishing, not catching fish. You'll start yeah, catching fish when you, when you get like, yeah. That's what makes, that, that's what makes you fall in love with it is this chase. Uh, the chase is very important um, in developing into an angler. Muskies, you're not, it, it's, Andy just went into detail uh, about things that he did to get success. Uh, it's such an instant uh, success-driven uh, ego in the in the industry. Uh, you know, I bought this bait; it should automatically catch fish. But you need to go out and learn um, on your own, and take your licks and take your beatings, and and go from there. That's my biggest tip: is to just learn through failure and uh you know failure you can always learn from and uh that's that's the biggest tip i could i could give i did it for years you know i i talk about it on the show you know would fish for a weeks for for muskies and be really really excited that i got to follow you know and then from there it, it could just open up so many different uh angles to to attack the fish and and uh, sharpen your tool, uh, and that's my that's my biggest tip. Uh, you know, right. there's no. I want to add one no. last thing. Todd said something to me the first time I fished with him. Um, we were in his boat, the old Lund, and watching him up front working working a raptor, just talking or whatever. And he, we were talking tournaments, like when he'd fish tournaments. And the one thing he said to me that I, I still hold in my head when I go musky fishing. And he's like, you know, the reason he's been so successful at like the tournaments, especially like the local ones, like on Chautauqua and stuff, casting, is he says, no one will outwork me. And when I go out fishing on the days that I do, the next day sucks because I'm sore because I am not going to let anyone outwork me. Granted, it's me and probably someone that's, like doesn't catch many fish in the boat vance and todd are always fishing so i'm left all alone and um so i just compete with myself i'm like if i can don't slack off now you know i don't want this vision of me outworking me in my head so just stay after it yeah that uh my brother caught his first casting muskie at the end of the year last year uh, and that was the, the first time I can remember him saying that, that sort of thing out loud. Like I, I was always on him, like, you know, we could just keep casting. Just got to keep fishing. You just got to keep going and grinding. And he just kept saying it to me all day, you know, snagging up, losing baits, and then finally got one to go. But I, I mean, that's all stuff that's relatable to me, you know, and, and to, I think fishermen, I mean, those are, those are good tips and, 
um, you know, time on the water. I mean, those are the biggest things I pick up from, from everybody, you know, I listen to and, and from the podcast, but I really just wanted to, you know, thank you guys. I, I know Todd dropped off his, his phone probably died. Uh, but I just want to thank you guys again for taking the time to do this. I know we've been on for a while. I, I think I'll let you get back to your families at this point, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is all good stuff. Hopefully anybody watching this, you know, the, the tips and tricks with, with the baits, you know, they take a look at the, the baits, um, just a lot of versatility going on here. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to feel a little more comfortable on, on my buddy Dan's boat with, uh, with a couple AZ holders, got some track installed on his, on his boat last week and up front. So I'm, I'm ready to go, but, uh, yeah. So again, thank you guys. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It was fun. I, I hope you thought it was as fun as uh, we did. <laughs> it, was, track a bit. it was fun. I mean, you got to have that. <laughs> Just the blood sport beating on Vance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They all talk. I'll, I'll fish them all. I guarantee it. <laughs> you won't outwork me. I'll guarantee you out. that. There was a specific. Excuse me? You won't outwork me. I don't know, man. All right. Challenge accepted. The, the the day that I was out with Vance, Todd got off the water early because of that storm. We stayed out and grinded. Vance worked pretty hard, but... <laughs> You're not going to outwork me. I love the internet. Oh, that's BS, dude. I would f- work you under the table. Would you? Oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> right now. Come on. Sit down here. I'd be there right now. I'd, I'd. You're locked up in your basement. I am. Like Biden. <laughs> like Biden. <laughs> what, is, what is it? MuddyCreekFishingGuides.com? Is that what it is? MCFishingGuides.com. Fat AZ Muskie dot com check us out uh we got baits we got guy trips saw the websites ready to go updated all kinds of good stuff up there that's right. insane how much crap i get all the time yeah from these guys i mean it's I mean, unbelievable you... i don't know man i feel like it's i feel like <laughs> mike deserves some of it <laughs> not all of it just a little bit we all do, though. Deserve it. <laughs> I get on all the time. Oh. Motivates me. Let's go. Let's go. All right, Yins, guys. That was it. Awesome. Super cool. And again, I just want to thank Todd, Vance, and Andy for coming on to talk musky fishing. Again, I respect you guys so much. Very thankful for the time that you gave me to put this one together. Um, Again, you guys are some of the best fishermen out there, some of the best minds out there in the business putting these solutions together. You know, super pumped about the Raptors and I'm super pumped about these swim baits. You know, you guys just need to get out there and fish with these things. They produce fish. And the rod holders, again, you know, they will save your equipment and they will give you some versatility out there on the water when you're trolling. So if you guys like this video, hit that like button for me. If you guys like this content overall, please subscribe to my channel. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you that have been supporting me. Can't thank you guys enough for all the comments 
and really just, you know, the support over the last couple of years. I had a blast with these video casts. We're kind of into fishing mode now, so I don't know how many more of these we're going to do, um, but hopefully I can get back to some regular content as well. So again, you guys are looking for a guide service, check out Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. You guys need some gear, you need some baits, some really user-friendly baits, go out there, check that easy musky products, pick up your rod holders for your boat. You guys will not be disappointed. All right, Yens guys, tight lines. We will see Yens next time. <laughs>